Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and welcome to day four of the Golden State Warriors never-ending championship celebration. Those who have listened to the podcast for many years realize I haven't been able to say that for two years. It's a happy time. Or I could have said you it realize, this way. I could have said you it this realize way. it's not never-ending when you guys didn't win the championship for like two, three years. Yeah, well, this right? time it's going to be never-ending, baby. Or I could have just said... Welcome back to the Warriors Invitational. Was that better for you? Um, yeah, actually it does. It's pretty cool. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining me this week. Sorry, I didn't want to break from convention and call you out first. Lavender Gooms. That's quite all right, Bobby. And Tuesday, I want to wish you all a happy National Daylight Appreciation Day, which actually coincides very well with the beginning of summer. Fair enough. Right, and also, we're uh, today's the holiday, but actual today being Monday, yesterday was the actual day. Happy Juneteenth to everybody out there. Shout out to America happy. discovering what it was about two mm-hmm. years ago. So <laughs> happy, happy Juneteenth. And in celebration of the last plays figuring out they're free, I was the only person at work that had to work. The only brown dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. That's disappointing. Although, as much as I would like to keep the joke going, I actually did volunteer to work this day so that the rest of my team could have it off. What a, what a Don't worry, there's man. lots of there's lots of vets out there that are like on Veterans Day, like, yo, dog, I put my life on the line for this country. This is a holiday for me, and I'm still I'm still working the register today. Yeah, damn, Mark. Why you gotta why you gotta make me feel bad now? <laughs> Not my feeling. I'm just I'm telling you, like there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that Oh, the, wait a the, second. Veterans Day is the happy one. So you know what? No feeling bad. Okay. Yeah, no, no. It's just you know everyone's got to sacrifice for the for the money for the capitalism, Mike. We're all cogs I, in the machine. Although I have nothing compared to our vets, support our troops. It's Mike not trying to get canceled right now. <laughs> Three minutes into the fucking podcast. All right, boys and girls, we're gonna talk about this UFC fight night that I said it. We we said last week it sounded pretty good, and fuck it, over delivered. Nine finishes. Nine finishes. A banger of a main event. We got some young guys making big moves. I remain in awe, honestly, guys, of the amount of talent we get, even from the unranked guys in these weight classes below 185, basically, 185 and below. Not trying to badmouth the guys above that weight class, but quite frankly, if you are a really good athlete, you should go play football or something else Then rather than do this shit and have half your paycheck go away because Chris Lee doesn't know how to score a fight. Um... Let's get into it, though. Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater. Uh, Mark, you picked this one right. Um, Very close fight. Back and forth. I had it for Cater when it was all said and done, giving him two, four, and five. Though, honestly, this is not a robbery on any, you know, by any means. Me shitting on Chris Lee was really because I don't understand, Mark, how he gave Cater the, uh, the second round and not the fourth, which... 
right. don't know how you the do that. The fourth round was kind of agreed. The fourth and fifth. I mean, I mean, everybody seems to agree on one, three, four, and five. Generally, it seems like uh, round two being a bit of a swing round. Um, but man, Marcus, these guys went after it. Uh, why don't you try to describe people what you know if they missed it? What what happened this past weekend? Yeah, no, it was a really good stand up fight, and that, that's pretty much all it was. Um, there was very little, even when it comes to clinch work. Cater uh, doesn't strikes, even kick. You know. At least the other guy kicks a little bit. Well, Cater throws no kicks. Well, well, what's surprising is, I guess, early in the fight in round one, like he had some good low kicks. And it's not like he hasn't utilized them. But like, yeah, these guys ended up just slugging it out. Um, and Calvin did a good job. You know, his boxing was really able to dictate some of the rounds, especially the later rounds when he was able to start putting it together. I mean, he started, I, I believe, it was in the first round. His jab was pretty much on point the entire fight. But that was also something that Emmett would try to use as an opening. He often would try to slip jabs and use counter rights off of them. But, you know, he's not always able to slip them. And he ate a lot. He got cut in the first round. And that cut continued to be an issue throughout the fight. It only got worse and worse. Um, but, you know, it was really a volume versus, you know, heavy handedness of Emmett. So you had Calvin throwing what, what you would think to be more strikes. But a lot of times the, the strike count was really close. But Emmett definitely carried more power and to Calvin's credit, did a great job covering up. Didn't take a lot of super clean shots. Um, but Emmett would have these moments of explosion where he would come forward, throw a barrage of punches. And, and honestly, in, in my eyes, I, I really wish he would go to the body a little bit more. Um, Calvin was doing such a good job covering up, negating a lot of the strikes to the head. The body was open. He did go to the body from time to time and had some success there. But I think that really could have been what opened it up. But yeah, it was a very close fight, very tough, bloody fight for both combatants um and, and josh got the nod but yeah in these types of fights however you played it out you could say like oh you know i think calvin won x y and z and should have got the nod but like the term robbery should be far from anyone's vocabulary here because it was just that close um and it's a really good fight so i don't think you know the stock of either of these guys is going to go down all that much mostly Calvin, you know, I mean, Emmett won the fight. Yeah, Calvin is what? he. I mean, someone suddenly made the comment I read. I forgot who it was. It says, this man's fought five straight fights against top opponents, and we're not mm -hmm. sure how good he is. Mike, I think the answer is this man's about number five. Ranked, you know, he's probably the fifth or sixth best featherweight in the world. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. Um, now, what do you guys think about him calling out for the next title shot? So he's 37 years old. You got to do so that. So basically, basically. He's well, here's the thing. I mean, I, Mike, you got to honestly where I was headed anyway, my next comment, because I had the rankings up a second ago. But it honestly isn't a ridiculous proposition. I mean, even a little bit, if you ask me, because hmm. he was ranked number seven. Um, the guys ahead of I'm mean, assuming he just beat number he just beat number four. Five. Let's assume he's top five. Let's assume he's jumped Arnold Allen and the zombie there. I think Arnold Allen has a fight booked. I'm, I'm, at this point, we're talking about the number of guys who don't have, who haven't received a title shot against sure. Alex or Brad Max, who are fighting in 10 days, 11 days at the pay-per-view. But this is the rankings. Alex Volkanovsky, champ. Max Holloway, number one contender. They're fighting uh, 11 days from now. Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega's had a title shot against both these guys. Lost both of them. Yair Rodriguez is fighting Brian Ortega at the end of July. That's worth keeping an eye on. Then there's Calvin Cater, who is just lost. Then there's Zombie, who lost title shot, who lost who just lost a title shot uh, not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken. 
Arnold Allen, I don't know if Arnold's booked. I thought he was. And then it was Emmett. I think if Yair Rodriguez doesn't beat Brian Ortega, I think Josh Emmett deserves a title shot, personally. Uh, Mark, what did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think mostly when I'm looking at that field, it is guys that haven't already fought for the title. You know, yeah. I think anyone that got a shot got their shot. You know, they didn't make it happen. They have to kind of re- rework themselves um, to get another title shot. I want to see fresh matchups for either Alex or Max. And, you know, I- I'm leaning towards Alex retaining the belt. Um, so I think, yeah, year is probably the front runner. If he beats Ortega, I think he definitely earns that. I mean, and, and that's just a numbers game too. I mean, Ortega, like you said, he's ranked number two or something. Yeah, year has kind of been up there for a while in title contention. So I think an impressive performance there, I think, warrants a, a title shot. Now, you know, if that fight's sloppy or there's some kind of controversy around, you know, the victory, maybe Emmett gets the slot there. But unfortunately, there are a handful of guys Emmett hasn't fought that if Yair does retain the belt, then like him and Ortega makes sense. Him and the loser of Max and Alex makes like there's some different things. Dude, he'll dude, probably what about Arnold Allen? To... I'm, look, I'm looking, Arnold Allen isn't booked and he's won nine fights in a row. He has not I lost in this company. The level of competition he's faced, I think, is his yeah, biggest. Yeah, last one was Hooker. Oh, Hooker, I don't even know where he is Hooker's, right now. Hooker's good, but it's one of those things where, where I don't are we think with he's that man? fought in. He hasn't fought in these guys ahead of him. Yeah, right? no, he hasn't at all. So Hooker is a lot the best of, win easily. Right. And so I think there's a lot of matchups that he hasn't had. And that once he gets just one of those guys, really, because I think the, the resume is there. Like you said, nine straight wins is in, incredibly impressive. But it's just the lever, the level of fighter he's been facing hasn't been quite that high. So if he fights somebody, like maybe he fights Calvin. Or maybe he fights one of the losers of these other fights. Well, if, if Yair wins, let me tell you, I see this, Mark. If Yair wins this fight, right, and Yair gets the next, I think we mm-hmm. all agree Yair's getting a title shot if he beats Brian Ortega, right? Like that's got yes. to happen. Absolutely. Does Arnold Allen? Does Arnold Allen fight Josh Emmett, or do we not turn what? two turn our two contenders into one real quickly? But I, I, they don't think that far ahead. Will they book it? I think is a better question. I, <laughs> I think it, it always comes down to timing mm-hmm. for the UFC, and it's just like, are these guys going to be ready? Do their calendars match up so that they'll both be prepared? And if not, maybe someone else is. But when it comes to both of these guys, I think Emmett has a stronger case. If the cards align and Yair doesn't win and there's no real top contender, anyone that's really kind of coming off a win that really deserves well, it, Alex I think wants to go up. In. There's that too. Alex wants to go up. And Alex, if he beats Max Holloway, it's hard to deny him that opportunity. Like, if Alex says, sure. oh, Alex is like, I want to fight Charles Oliveira for that vacant title, just still weird that it's a vacant title. But what if Alex, I mean, that creates a whole new camp. I mean, we might get nothing. We might get nobody's fighting for that belt for six months. Well, they get an interim belt. Or, yeah. or he oh, they'll, 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 do, a, they'll, do, a fake, they'll do a fake belt. Yeah. They'll, they'll probably do an interim. And then maybe Emmett's in there. But at that point, who knows? Because then when you don't have a returning champion, some of these guys that lost, maybe. And Ortega does, if he beats Yair, becomes a little bit more compelling for a title shot. Um, you know, if it's against Max or something, maybe not so much. But it, it'll depend. Yeah, if Alex wants to go up, I don't think that's a bad move for him at all. Because this division is has been cleared out a bit. I mean, him and, or, and Emmett isn't super compelling. I think him and uh, Yair kind of is. I, I think that would be an interesting, fun fight. But I do think Alex is head above most of the talent here. His only guy that really to kind of give him 
trouble is Max, and they're going to fight again. Do you really think you're really that confident about Alex winning? You mentioned it earlier because Max, we all thought Max won that second fight. Are you that confident that Alex? You said you you assume Alex is going to win this. Do you think? Yeah, I mean that's definitely where I'm heading. Okay, but you know, I mean the second one was. I mean we uh, we all came out of and said we thought Max won, but I, then again we thought he won and he still lost. So. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Um, I, I do like the idea of, Matt, of Alex moving up. He's like as tall as me too, five foot five. It's wild the idea. Yeah, I mean, the man the man wants to weigh like what two forty? Ah, yeah, it was a big man. Mike, you asked this question. What are you? You okay? Were you okay with him asking for that title shot? Yeah, and I mean, especially as a man who turns thirty seven in a few months, mm-hmm. you know, I'm okay with people, you know, just saying, you know what, just give me what I give me what I want soon and give it to me now. I think um, honestly, we don't give enough credit. That, even besides that, even even jokes aside, breaking down the rankings, um, based off how he looked, he looked like he's probably going to need some time off um, after oh, yeah. his fight on, on, on Saturday. He looked pretty busted up. But, yeah, it, it's all about timing. How hurt is either Volkan- the winner of either Volkanovski or, or Holloway after this fight? Um, and... Perhaps in four months, five months. Um, I don't know. I, I think it really depends on what the UFC wants to do. Um, I think, and maybe this is my own personal opinion, but I think the fever for champ champs might be a little passe, perhaps in the UFC brass. And their thought process might be more, no, you know, we need to fill these pay-per-views with actual champions at the at the head of a, uh, of cards and we can't be eating our own young by having our champions just trying to go up so i think that if even if volkanovsky wins i think that his next title his next fight will be a title defense at 145 and based off how the rankings have shook out it should be emmett why not by the way he's gonna he's gonna be top five if you're at least top five at least in my book yeah you're you're fine to get a title shot yeah, and uh, 14, by the way, we're not really going to get into Cater that much. He's two, three and two in his last five. Um, three straight fight of the night performances. He 14 of 19 media outlets scored this fight for Cater, including this guy here, not just because I had money on it, and it broke my goddamn parlay, which became a two-fight parlay when Joe Lazon got hurt. I do appreciate Dana White saying he's not going to book Lazon versus Cerrone again because he's like, nope. Not a th- no, nope, we're not going down. He said, We're not going down to Tony and Khabib out here. We're done here. This fight's not how happening. Does, <laughs> how does your knee just lock up out of nowhere? That is crazy. He's older. He's 37, also, probably. He might be older. Joe Lozon's old. <laughs> nah, man. That's not what I want to be looking out for in a year and a half. Like my yeah. knee just locking up. Fuck no. That's he's also he, not he, a professional he, athlete. He's not so on that know. vitamin regimen. You are, Mike. He's not on that vitamin regimen. Look, look man, I, I'm a potential athlete. All right. So it could happen. Okay. Potentially. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to move on here. Um, the co-main event was Kevin Holland, Tim Means. Thought Kevin Holland looked awesome, guys. I mean, I didn't like him getting taken down by Tim Means, but I did like when he did get taken down that second time was when he got second down. Second or third time is when he turned it into the Dars, where he like, he didn't get taken down. He kind of like adjusted his hips and he turned it into the Dars. Um, I think him fighting a middleweight at any point it kind of is insanity. He looks so good at welterweight. Um, and I don't think he's looked this good in a fight since he was on that run with uh, when, he, when he fought like 15 times during the pandemic, well, early pandemic. Top to bottom, I was pretty impressed with him, Mark. I know it's Tim Means, and you know he's a little bit older, but it's not easy to whoop Tim Means' ass. 
like that. You know, Tim Means was on a three-fight win streak. That was impressive, I think, all the way. He did what you do with you when you're that far ahead of a guy ranking, you got to win like that, basically. Yeah, I mean, Tim and Matt Brown, I always slot in the same. I mean, they're 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 quasi journeymen, if we're being mm-hmm. quite honest. You know, I mean, this is a fight that if Kevin Holland was going to continue to be in the upper echelons of this division, these are the guys that he has to beat um, and look impressive against. And he did, you know, and I do think there's still definitely holes in his game where it comes to the wrestling, right? He's giving up takedowns. But like you said, we did see him get back up. And the improvement there was that I think, especially against Brunson, which I mean, I think is very different fighter than uh, Tim Means, especially when you're going up a weight division. He kind of seemed to, when he got taken down, kind of give up, right? He was kind of like, okay, that's this round. We'll we'll get at it next round. And, you know, I think one of the things that, that made him kind of a star and, and very charismatic was that, you know, he used to talk a lot of shit during the fights. And maybe it was because Tim Means, you know, is very much a game opponent and maybe he didn't think he can get in his head. But I I just think it's him maturing he was still a little talking bit. shit, though, a little bit. He, you saw their mouths were still moving a little bit. It wasn't as they much. They were, but I mean, Bob, let's not kid ourselves. The other fight, he wouldn't shut up. He like, was talking, talking to the fucking commentator. Time. Yeah, you're he was right. talking to everybody. He's talking to the ref. He's talking to the girl in the front row trying to get digits. I mean, the guy wouldn't stop talking. And look, it's great entertainment. You know, it's really fun when he's talking shit the whole time. Um, but he didn't do that in this fight. And I do think that might be a bit of maturity. I think having the the difficulties in middleweight and, you know, climbing those ranks and then kind of getting stalled out towards the top, hopefully revitalize him to be like, you know, I have the abilities here, you know, even though he's still lacking in some areas, he definitely has the ability to be a top echelon fighter, but he was kind of getting in his own way and getting himself distracted. So he seemed very focused in this fight. And once he started finding a home for his right straight, he was lighting up 10 means. And that's what eventually led to the, to yeah, the, that pa- the, and the bad his- takedown into the Dars choke. And again, that, another wrinkle in his yeah. in his cap that you know we talked about. You know, he's kind of become this uh, bully beatdown esque character where he's flying in people, you know, shit talking him, and then rolling with them on the mat and, and tapping them. So we're we're seeing those skills on on display, which is really good for someone that has you know a dangerous stand up game when you can hurt somebody and then finish it off with a submission. You know, one. You don't waste a lot of energy trying to go for a finish that might not happen. You can get in the position you need to secure the choke or the lock and then finish the fight there. It, it, it's a good repertoire to kind of add to his tool set. So he looked good in this fight. This was a fight he needed to win, I, and he uh, did. I always forget until they mention it that he's a Travis Luter guy. And, you know, the old MMA fans know Travis yeah. Luter. It was nice to see him use that uh, the black belt, though, man. He looked just – he hasn't gotten a submission in the UFC since 2018. And uh, I, I just thought, like, him, I six foot three. It's a big welterweight. Like, Tyron mm-hmm. Woodley ran this division at 5'9". Like, that's a big welterweight at 6'3". If he can make it, and, like, the, his he looked pow, more powerful. Like, I think he was hurting Tim Means with his hands. They weren't just taking Absolutely. him down because Tim Means decided he was a grappler at age 39 or whatever he is. He's like, I'm getting fucking lit up by this dude. Let me take him down, you know. <laughs> I thought he looked awesome. Um... Joaquin Buckley, Albert Dureyev. Honestly, for me, I thought Buckley looked good, but my biggest surprise of this fight was he beat this dude's ass for two rounds, and in Texas, a doctor looked at an eye and said, we're not letting this fight continue. This is done. I mean, that that eye was pretty gnarly this, by the, by the end of Texas, those first bro. two rounds. This is Texas. I was surprised. Well, to, to be honest, Bob, I, I and 
not disparaging this at all because I think it's absolutely the right call to make. I I, I think Albert was kind of done. Oh, he was done like, too. I think that helped. He I, protested. I think there was very much some conversations in the corner where it was like, do you want to continue? And I think he was like, not really. And I can't see. And he's like, he didn't want to say. He didn't want to say anything. And exactly. Then he, he went, exactly. He, like he didn't like. He, the doctor knew. He was like, I'm going to save this guy from having the embarrassment. I don't know exactly. why it would be embarrassing, but you know what I mean? Right, but it, yeah, it, I think you you hit it right on the head, Bobby. It was like, we could all tell, everyone in the room could tell, like, this guy doesn't want this anymore. There's no there's no fight left in the one eye that we can see. And this was just a, a realistic, but obviously kind of a like, layout for him. I like from Buckley, it looked like he was, like, I feel Buckley when he fights really blows his wad early. I know yeah, this is a two-round fight, but I think he did a really good job. He didn't look, yeah. you know, he mm -hmm. was managing himself. Third round started. We cut back from commercial. Buckley's, like, standing there pacing, ready to fuck this dude up some more. Like, he, sure, I thought nothing, he really, Buckley nothing, came nothing back from the... Nothing gives you energy like whooping somebody's ass for 10 minutes. You know, though. Mike, honestly, we talked about Buckley when he got that beautiful, was it a spinning heel knockout, was it, or something? something like that, yeah. Yeah. The guy ducked into it, too. Yeah. And, like, he didn't really get a lot of attention since then from us, and, like, He's now won three straight, um, and I didn't know a lot about Dureyev, but before that, he beat uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. We might be having something here with Buckley, man. He's fighting you know, better. He's improving. He's only 28. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, another injury um, for Dureyev, and pro I think probably one reason why he tried to get out of there is, yo, man, just straight up embarrassment because in the pre-fight interviews, he was saying how he had trained with Buckley before. Oh, yeah. He was basically saying that he had Buckley's number, and Buckley whooped his ass. Dude, there was a couple guys on this card. The other one was um, Tony Kelly. That some of the shit they talked really came back, and it didn't go well for them. Like, really didn't go well. And it's, yeah, It's always cool when you talk shit and you back it up and win. When you don't win, you look like the biggest asshole. Um, but yeah, man, I like this. The sport looks healthy going for a lot of young talent. Again, this card was really indicative of that. Marcus, I watched this whole main card. I don't remember what happened in these uh, Ismagalov versus Kutaladzi Kuta, Kuta fight. I don't remember. I think it just kind of happened while I was walking my dog or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I watched it. It was a really good fight. This was a solid fight against two you know young prospects. Um, I think Gurmram, I mean, mostly when I was thinking like, when I was watching these guys, it was mostly like, oh, man, if this is the future of the division, I'm fucked because I can't pronounce either <laughs> of these guys' names. This is, if this is what all we're getting is, you know, Eastern European names, I am kaput. Um, but this was, such, this was a really good fight. I, I thought it was really close. Um, a lot of it was in the stand-up. I think uh, Damar is maybe more of a grappler than a stand-up fighter, but he seemed more than competent. And he was able to hang with a guy, I guess, um, Garam, you know – has a lot of kickboxing experience, but is also is very talented on the ground. Um, it was a super compelling close fight that, you know, I think maybe potentially could have gone either way. But like you, Bobby, like I remember watching it and enjoying it. But like, yeah, a lot of the nuances of like the round to round action um, is definitely failing me now for sure. But it was a good fight and I was impressed with both um, athletes. Um, yeah, sorry. Um. Gregory Rodriguez just beat Julian Marquez's ass. Just beat his ass. And Julian Marquez was too good for it, too tough for his own good. So, like, he was kind of staying upright for it. was a good 30 seconds where I'm like, oh, he's done, right? Like, he's just rolling around, getting hit in different places. Um, 
Yeah, I didn't know who Gregory Rodriguez was before this. I kind of know Julian Marquez because he always finds a way to make himself relevant on these cards just based on his inner post-fight interviews. Maybe he tries to get a date with a pop star and blows it. You know, I don't know. That's Julian Marquez. Gregory Rodriguez, I'm going to remember him for next time, man. That was a that was a big win. Uh, yeah. And uh, Julian Marquez has a hosts a podcast called... Uh, I've now lost the goddamn name of it. Oh, Beauty and the Beast with pornographic actress Kendra Lust. So Julian Marquez remains just an interesting goddamn fighter, man. Just a lot going on there. Um, Not familiar with her work. Oh, Mike's a good liar. Um, Adrian Yanez versus Tony Kelly. I believe Tony Kelly said he wanted Adrian Yanez because it was an easy fight. Mm. Tony Kelly missed weight. Mm. Tony Kelly got his ass beat. Adrian mm. Yanez is really good. Like I mm. didn't, I didn't know who he was. I mean, maybe if I saw him, I don't remember. But after this fight, he called out uh, Sean O'Malley because Sean O'Malley's fighting Pedro Munoz, and everybody's like, "Yeah, let's do this." After if he beats Pedro Munoz, this man has been in the U. He came off the Contender Series since the Contender Series, five UFC fights, four knockouts, um, 10, 16 and three overall. He's only twenty eight years old. He's He's a black belt in jujitsu. I was thoroughly impressed. I he's not tall. He's five foot seven. Sean O'Malley. I don't know how tall he actually is, but he looks about nine feet tall in that weight class because everybody's short and he's got this fucking sideshow bob, rainbow fucking haircut. Sean, Sean O'Malley's got to be five eleven, maybe six feet. Five eleven. He's listed five eleven. Okay. So four inches on him. He's seventy two inch reach versus seventy. I'd love to see it. I'm really was impressed with Adrian Yanez. For a fight where he was not happy with the other guy, you could tell. Like, there was a lot of shit talk. It was like a angry but professional beatdown. Like, it wasn't like he was wild or anything. Um, it's definitely, it's only a three and a half minute long fight. If you didn't see it, not just saying that to people listening, but I'm selling it to the boys here. Just check it out. Because he's going to get in a big fight after this. He's he's a contender series guy and he's good. Um, from the undercard. Fuck, man, there was five finishes on the undercard. Uh, the ones I saw... The, what happened? Uh, Court McGee got one hitter quittered by Jeremiah Wells. Mm. And we love Court McGee. And it's not that he wins every fight. But do you know what Court, What doesn't happen to Court McGee, guys? Court McGee doesn't get knocked out. Court McGee doesn't get finished. Court McGee's only been finished twice in his career. And this was one of them. The other time was against Ponzinibbio. And we know how good Ponzinibbio is. So I'm not sure if that means Jeremiah Wells, who's 35 goddamn years old. And this is his third UFC fight. Is going to be something. But I'm going to pay attention when you knock out Court McGee. It doesn't happen. No one does it. Um, I mean, among the people who couldn't knock out Court McGee, Carlos Condit would be another example. Like Ben Saunders, Diego Lima. None of these dudes can knock him out. Um, all right. Also in the other card, Marcus, that Ricardo Ramos spinning elbow on Danny Chavez. That looked right. like it hurt so much, bro. Like, it just looked like you got him with the point of the elbow. <laughs> it just looked yeah, horrible. I, mean, I, I didn't catch the fight. I only saw the highlights. But it was interesting right before he threw that they were talking about um, he has a background in uh, Capoeira, which mm -hmm. you don't hear um, a lot of people practicing. But, I mean, when it comes to, you know, spinning techniques, that's definitely something that utilizes a lot of them. So you can definitely see how he was very comfortable getting that angle and throwing that strike and, and landing it as clean as he did. So that was a very impressive performance for sure. Um, let's give some love to Eddie Wineland, um, who lost in a minute to Cody Staman, yep. former 
uh, WEC Bantamweight Champion, the first WEC Bantamweight Champion. Mm-hmm. A lot of respect for uh, this man. Fuck, 41 fights. And half of them probably in Zufa. I hope sure, and he's yeah. a firefighter too, right? Or he was. I'm not sure if he still does it. Um, did he retire after this fight? He did retire. That was it. I probably should have said that. Good call, Mike. Uh, Eddie Wineland retired. Um, I think you and I saw him fight live, Mike. I think he saw it when he fought, when he watched him in New Jersey against Uriah Faber. That was, I think, his uh, when we saw him fight. Um, not a good win for him. May not a good idea. May have been there. his. May have been like maybe two or three fights after the WEC merger. Yeah, I think or, that was like uh, that might have been Uriah's like that might have Uriah's first fight in the UFC. I think maybe or first I or second. Can't remember. Yeah, um, and also on this card, um, the Duran win Phil Hawes fight was interesting because Phil Hawes beat the crap out of Duran win. If you want some fun, Duran win has breaks down to fight himself on Instagram, and he'll say stuff like, "This is where he elbowed me for the three millionth time." Really funny. Um, I guess so. Duran Wynn is a bit of a protege of Daniel Cormier or one of his, you know, mentees, I guess. And Cormier came in to interview Phil Hawes, and Phil Hawes started yelling at Daniel Cormier about how you picked this fight for him. And Cormier's like, calm down. For a second, it looked like Daniel Cormier was going to like throw this little dude into the third row. But Cormier's like, calm down. Like, what are you talking about? I didn't be prof And then the guy calmed down and apologized. That was a little weird. Um, but big win for him. And Kyle Daukis, um, the younger brother, the, the smaller Daukis brother, don't know if he's younger, lost in about a minute and 13. Thankfully, we didn't pick this fight because Mike probably would have picked Daukis. Um, all right. Um, UFC's back next week with Sorakian versus Gamrot. You don't know those names. I don't know those names. Nobody knows those names. We'll get to that in a second here. Uh, first, some news. Um, well... I don't know if they announced it before, but UFC 278, Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman is happening, um, which I think it's nice to hear that that actually, Leon's getting a title shot. It's, it's booked. Um, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Uh, the highlight for me was when they interviewed Leon Edwards on the MMA Hour, because this fight's in Utah, and they asked him, do you know anybody in, in, in Salt Lake City? And uh, Leon Edwards said, fuck no, I had to look on a map. Where is this place? So uh, that made me laugh. Um, but yeah, we're going to send the guy from, where's, where's, from Nigeria and the other guys from, is he Jamaican? Yeah, Jamaica to fight in Utah. So cool. I thought he was ja English. Jamaica he's by English, but he's, London. Yeah, he's born in Jamaica, but, um, uh, other things we got going on. Everybody in glory got, was Russian, got cut. And I'm still not clear what happened Oops, there. Sorry. I think it was just difficulty. Um, <laughs> I think it was the war they're Yeah, I mean, it was related to the yeah, war, the, but, you know. I think it was, like, visas well, or something, right? They said, like, it's, basically. It's like, not like, it's not like they're fighting in the war. It's not like, I mean, um, they they probably are Putin's homies, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, I in mean, the statement that you shared, Bob, I mean, they basically said, like, it sounded like it was more visa issues. Yeah, it's a pain like, in the ass visa them stuff. in and out. And, I mean, and they said, like, look, it's not the fighter's fault that, you what know. One is a fucking champion. The yeah. One guy was their champion. Yeah, so, like, you know, it, it did not seem from the the press release that like this was some kind of like way for glory to make a stance against what russia is doing but just a circumstance of what's going on because it, it, they basically said like oh you know we're, we don't blame the fighters for what the country is doing but like this is the ramifications of what's going on and so be it so yeah unfortunate but i mean you know maybe if they that whole conflict just wraps itself up you know 
these kind of issues wouldn't be an well, issue. We'll so. Maybe Putin will keel over and die. Um, yeah. We got ourselves TJ Dillashaw versus Aljamain Sterling. We talked about that after uh, Aljo won, and they were talking mm-hmm. about that. Like that fight. Right now, preliminary. It's really just asking yourself, can Aljo get on his back, right? That's really what we're asking ourselves here. But we'll see. when that, I think I don't know what pay-per-view they booked it for, but it's coming up. Yeah, um, we'll be going. Yeah, that sounds like just a good fight, man. Um, and uh, there was another thing I had, and I just lost my train of thought. Um, Ariel made a really good point about what did Calvin Cater do to only deserve half his paycheck in, in the main event with the win, with the you know complaining about the win bonus. Of course, he's right. Of course, everybody knows it's bullshit. The win, the half getting half your check for win bonus, but whatever, bro. Um, there was this matchup in Japan called the match. The match. Okay. Ooh. Did you guys, were you guys at all in the loop on what was going on here? No, first I'm hearing about it. Okay, yeah, because it was getting, I was trying to find this thing, the two names of it. Give me a second. Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, I didn't really, I saw Tension some of Tension versus Takaru. Tekaru? Yeah, what Attention, I've mentioned on the yeah. podcast before, like I, I follow the K1 channel on YouTube, yeah. so probably next week they'll post the videos, actually, because it's usually like a week delay that they post their stuff on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it was tension, and it was basically like an event between K1, uh, Ryzen, and then like K1's like feeder promotion, which I think is called Rise itself or something. So it was kind of mm-hmm. like a, a couple federations coming together and kind of clashing. Um, I know Tetson won, but I didn't really see the fight. I heard it was pretty good, um, but I'm look, kind of looking forward to it. They did 500,000 buys in Japan. That's that is a big number for, for Japan, they're saying. That's a big yeah. number. So they make about $25 million with the pay-per-views, plus $5 million with sponsors. Maybe I won't Oof. see it on YouTube next that's, week. That's a I'm big not, one, man. I'm not going to lie. Find I'm not gonna lie. I thought pay-per-view was solely like an American thing. It's a thing in Canada. I, it's a thing. I don't know, man. Everybody. I mean, all the online pay-per-views for wrestling in these other countries are all pay-per-views also. You know, fight but TV I hear Mike saying like, yeah, Pride was not a pay per view. Yeah. It was on TV, model. right? It was it was on like the the biggest public. You know, I think it was. I can't remember what the the, the Japanese channels are. It was like the Tokyo Broadcast or something, something like that. It was on one of the major. You know, basically like the equivalent of a Fox or CBS for us here. Yeah, maybe I think it might have been TBS. So yeah, I never really hear about Japanese pay per view buys, but I have to assume you know. 500,000 is pretty good for them. And Tetson's a big star, you know. Um, he's probably one of the biggest stars out of Japan. So it's maybe not too surprising, but I love to see the fight. Hopefully they post it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, you know, coming back from getting his ass beat by Floyd Mayweather still. But yeah. I mean, I think, I think he's had a few since then. I know, but man, that's the last that's thing a lot of people know have, about, man. Really, yeah. um, he's still only fucking 23. He's so young. Yeah. So, Jesus, I don't like how young he is. Um. All right, and um, I think that was it news-wise. Um, Tyron Woodley and Matt Hughes were on AEW. That was real weird. Mostly because Matt Hughes doesn't move all that well. You catch this, Mike? No. Yeah, you're fine. I'm assuming, I- I'm assuming they, he was there with um, American Top Team. Yeah, well, they tried to, like, Lambert tried to sick both of them on Wardlow, and I was immediately like, Matt Hughes, they had to cut the camera away because Matt Hughes don't move that well. Yo, then Matt, Wardlow's like Matt Hughes is fine, like after his accident. No, he's not. He doesn't move well. He got hit by a fucking train. He's not at all fine. And then Wardlow's like, "You guys are stand-up guys. You're not going to listen to this billionaire prick." And then um, 
yeah, they then they just like knocked over smart Mark Sterling, whatever. Anyway, that was a that was your MMA and wrestling for no reason news. It's a lot of those in AEW. Just bring up the MMA fighter. Um, all right. Um, so the UFC has got a card this week, and this is the shining example of the Apex era. Just some fights bullshit, to be honest. But we're not going to hold it against these two gentlemen main eventing. Armin Sakarian versus Matsuez Gamrot. Um, straight up, not going to lie to you folks. I put I put it out there earlier today. I'm like, guys, none of us know who these two dudes are. Let's figure it out between this time and the, and the time of the podcast. And my takeaway from after my well, the, the research I did was that um, Armin Sakarian, real good. Um, Matsuez Gamrot, probably pretty good too. Um, Mike, you watched a bunch of fights. Did you watch the Islam fight for Sirakian or not? I I did watch the Islam uh, Islam Makachev fight that Sakarian had. Um, while he lost the fight, he actually did look very good uh, in the fight that went to decision. Um, I think it was 30-27 on two of the judges, 29-28 uh, on another. Uh, so even though it looked like it was a handy victory for, for Makachev, he actually did afford himself pretty well. I also saw two other fights that Sakarian had. And what I gathered from those is that he's a pretty damn good wrestler. Mm. Uh, got a bunch of takedowns in, in one of the fights and has some pretty good ground and pound. He opened up, I think the guy's name is Vela or or Valerio, some, something like that. Uh, opened up pretty well with a pretty nice short elbow. Ravello? Um, Ravella? Ravella, yeah. Was, the guy uh, was taken, the, the guy took down 10 times in the fight. For that guy. That may, it may have been him. Yeah, okay. Uh, so it looks like he is pretty good at, uh, at at wrestling. I don't know much about the other guy um, besides just looking up his record. So can't really speak speak too much about him. But Sakarian looks like he can be a problem in division. I think he's what he's only twenty five or twenty eight. He's twenty five. Wow, even younger. yeah. Gamrot's thirty one. Gamrot's a former KSW champion, and. Uh... You guys have heard of me talk about how highly I think of KSW, quite frankly. One of the, the the best promotion possibly. I mean, it's them and Cage Warriors in terms of Europe, MMA, in terms of the champions you want to take seriously. Um, his only loss in his career was to Guram Katalazzi, who we mentioned earlier, Marcus. Mm-hmm. Um, been in the UFC. That was his first UFC fight since then. KO Scotty Hot Sauce Holtzman. Kimura Jeremy Stevens. And uh, he made Carlos Diego Ferreira tap out knee to the body. So, I mean, right now, I think we all kind of recognize why Armin is the favorite, but Gamrot's no slouch either. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, and like you said, leading up to this, you know, I, I didn't really know either of these guys. Um, but then, yeah, looking, I, my, my research was, you know what? I bet someone slapped together a highlight video on YouTube, and sure enough, they did. Um, so I got to see a little bit of both of them in action. And, and yeah, I mean... While it's very easy to dismiss a lot of the UFC events and the fighters, you know, we, we always say, you know, when we talk about, you know, these cars not being all that much or they're trash or whatever, it, it's never to the what the ability of the athletes is. It's more so that, like, we have no idea who these guys are. And it's very difficult for us to get excited or spend the time on a Saturday afternoon and evening to watch a bunch of fights that you don't really know. Cause we're so far removed from just being hungry for MMA that we'll just kind of take whatever 
LFC card is on that weekend. If there's nothing else that, you know, we can be a little picky and choosy, but like this does seem from the level of competition, both of these guys have fought and won against that. Like this is worthy of being on a main card, probably not the main event, even of this caliber. I think this would serve better if there was someone with more of a name value. And I think it's kind of funny watching the UFC UFC event this last weekend. I think the broadcast mentioned the Neil Magny fight and did not mention who the main event was because they're like, well, people know who Neil Magny is. If, if I spout out the, the two guys in the main event, I might throw away, you know, potential viewers because they're like, oh, I have no idea who those guys are. But I, I imagine it's going to be a good competitive scrap and I might even take the time out to watch it. So if that's something. Um, yeah. Um, also on this card though. Yeah. Neil Magny. I do. Neil Magny got to fight a guy who's 15 and 0, right? 15 and 0, fucking people up, former M1 champion. What Neil Neil Magny do and fight on this on this card when nobody's watching it? Like what? A, what? I, Neil Magny, I thought was like calling out Kamzat and shit. Like what happened? He's coming off of wins. Get no love from the UFC, man. Neil Magny just shows up, wins by decision, almost gets knocked out every fight. He's there for you consistently. It's what Neil Magny does. Um, man, he's been in the UFC. Neil Magny got to the UFC when he was seven and one. He is twenty six and eight. Does not feel like this man's been around for ten years. Um, I would tell you the other fights on this card. I don't know; these people are. Tiago Moises isn't bad, and I see Jin Frey, my girl, opening this show. That's disappointing. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, also this weekend, though, Bellator uh, has got a card. Gegard Mousasi versus the 11-0 Johnny Eblen. Johnny Eblen, the human cheat code. I do not like that nickname. Um, 30 years old, um, 11 wins, 6 stoppages, 5 knockouts, 1 submission. Wins over John Salter right there and... I'd say another name if he was recognizable. Colin Huckbody. No, he's not. Um, Gegard's had like 70 fights. Like, that's like not even an exaggeration. Um, there's something to say, be said about Gegard actually being the best middleweight in the world, considering the way his UFC career ended, which was, you know, five straight wins. Um, and his only loss was a majority decision loss to a very good, very good Rafael Lovato Jr., he might be the best middleweight. I mean, I think he's Israel Adesanya, but there's something to be said here about how good Gegard is, Marcus. And he's never getting back in the UFC, right? Let's just be honest with ourselves. Um, but yeah, he deserves I mean, your he, attention. Absolutely. I mean, he's definitely a, a big fish in, in a little pond. And, you know, that loss to um, Junior definitely kind of just tells you the talent that that man has. And that, you know, there's still some good guys out there outside of the UFC. There's definitely talent outside but yeah Gegard's been around forever and it, it, it's unfortunate that he didn't get you know I don't know he never got a shot at the belt at UFC right no he never got a title shot he honestly he was right there man because when he beat Weidman Weidman was still it was still a win you like that was still a notable right. win you know that was he was he just he'd beaten Lightis Santo Tiago Santos who almost became light heavyweight champion Vitor Belfort Uriah Faber and Chris Weidman last four were finishes and then they let yeah, him walk. I think Souza and some of those other guys might have, at the time, there was kind of a wealth of 
top talent at middleweight as well. I mean, this is kind of the era of Souza and Romero and Luke Rockhold. There was just this was a time where that division was really popping. And it kind of was hard for him to kind of really get out of the shadows of some of his previous losses that might have kind of curtailed him a little bit. But I made the move to to Bellator and, you know, has done very well for himself. And and this is probably a fighter that probably has, you know, maybe the, the least amount of clout around him, not a ton of experience. But, you know, those guys are can be really difficult to fight. You know, you don't have a ton of tape on them. I mean, we sent we sent a, a prospect after him. They sent a prospect after him the last fight. Put uh, Mr. Austin Vanderford and Van. I mean. Maybe he he pretty much just gets attention these days for being Paige's husband, but sure, good yeah. fighter, good fighter, and Gegard beat his ass in minute and a half. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he might be the best fighter in Bellator. I mean, he's I think he's you can, I don't think you can say he's not a top five middleweight, Gegard Musasi. There's nothing sure. that has happened in Bellator for him to not be a top five middleweight. So, anyway, um, that fight is happening. Damn, I closed it. I thought it was on. I, Bellator always on Friday these days. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure they yeah. are. I can't Friday. remember the last. Uh, what day is the 24th? Yeah, what day is the 24th? Is that Friday? Friday. Friday? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leandro Ego on the main on the co uh, in the co main event against Danny Sabatello in the Grand Prix quarterfinal. Other Grand Prix quarterfinal fight: Enrique Barzo- uh, Barzola versus UFC vet Magomed Magomedov. Um, how they let how they let this dude leave? He's 18 and two. Um, Brennan Word opening opening the show. Pretty decent undercard, man, with Kat Zingano on there, Bet Primus, Saba Hamasi. I'm going to say this this Bellator card's better than this UFC card, just top to bottom. I, I think that's kind of fair. Even yeah, though, like, just, I, even, even, I, I'm not seeing, I mean, Kat's, there's some names on here for sure, but like that UFC card, there's. I don't know anybody. New, I don't even know the main eventers. I know Neil Magny. Neil Magny <laughs> yeah. And I'm not that big of a fan. So, <laughs> you know, I can't really beat that drum. So, yeah, I think if we're, if we're judging just on name value, I do think. This is one of those rare events where I think Bellator does have a more intriguing card. So exactly. Um, all right. I don't know if we have any more MMA to talk about. I don't. I think, think we're we at stuff we like. Yeah. Okay. I got a bunch. Um, oh boy. Yeah, I got three, and they're not in any way. Uh, I might have lost one in my head right now. I got at least two. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I got at least two. Um, so I bought a book. Um, an Whoa. audio. I was I was waiting for this book to get to. I was waiting for the audible version to come out where the author read it, and it's gonna mm. make sense why. Because I was it was it's John Moxley's book, and it's uh, John Moxley is the former Dean Ambrose, and I don't like just buying a celebrity book a lot of times because they got some like ghostwriter or something. I mean, right. I remember like Mark also knows like the big wrestling book boom. Like when Mankind put his book, and Mick Foley wrote his book and wrote it himself, and it was awesome. Yeah. Like it was awesome. And then all of a sudden, The Rock had a book that somebody else wrote. Stone Cold had a book that somebody else wrote. Goldberg had a book. They all had books. And it wasn't the same. Mankind wrote this book over like his career. Like this was like his memoirs, more or less. So when The Rock came out, it was like, oh, yeah, I talked to this guy for a couple hours. We we pooped this one out real quick. It's like, okay, not quite the same caliber there, but Moxley clearly wrote this. I mean, it might have been edited on some level to make it make sense. But even then, it's not in any order. This is the thing that's interesting. It's not like he's going in any order of his career. He's jumping all over the place. At the end of chapters, he'll just say, flick pick, and he'll talk about a movie he likes. Or he'll talk about like an album he likes. Or he'll just say this. And Mike will enjoy this. He'll just say, joke Claudio told me. And Claudio is uh, Claudio Castagnoli, the former Cesaro in WWE. So just occasionally Moxley is just telling a dad joke at the end of chapters. 
And then in one one chapter, he just talks about proper sandwich construction and how like the bread and the base is important. Mike, I can't emphasize this enough because I don't think I convinced Mark to I can convince Mark to listen to a book about a guy he doesn't care about at all. This is what this is honestly, I really enjoy it. It's like you're listening to a disjointed Moxley promo. I'm about halfway through the book. I got it away a, a week ago. It's nine hours listen on Audible. I'm about halfway through it. I really, really like it. And he's an interesting dude. And like talking about how he like came up in Cincinnati and being a hardcore wrestler and why he was a hardcore wrestler and what how wrestling spoke to him. I don't know. I It did remind me of mixed book, Marcus, in the sense of the authenticity of what came through. Um, sure. I thought that was really great. Um, can can you can you let me know what the correct sandwich structure is? You got to know, like, first of all, what's important is the bread. Okay, the other thing is balance. You got to choose good bread. You got to choose bread, and then your balance like it has force. Yeah, your actual structure, and then also you got to think about entry points. Okay, you got to think about where you can bite this sandwich, and it's going to be okay. And like. What are the like? There's a whole explanation. I can't do justice. Okay, it's I think like I, a sandwich. Every place. Yeah, I think I, you know. So, I think I think somebody uh, cut it out. That's just that sandwich part. I'll try to send it to you, and uh, we'll try to retweet it. I just that's what sold me because I'm like I, I I'm gonna listen to this book. This sounds like it's a good time, and well, I, it's really good. We know that if this was Bobby's chapter on sandwich construction, there would be no tomato. That's actually not true. If it was a burger, there'd be no tomato. If it's a BLT. I need a tomato. Well, well, no fucking shit. It's right no, a BLT, in the title of the chair. Well, a BLT is essentially a tomato sandwich. Your tomato better be good. That's all well, I'm saying. Yeah, all right, all right. Besides a BLT where a fucking tomato is the tea in the sandwich, are you getting a tomato in a burger or a sandwich of any other kind? Unless it's a really good tomato and tomatoes are in season, no. I just don't. I think they're just water. They don't taste like anything, and nobody seasons a tomato. I have. We can do a whole podcast about my issue with how I'm people just, treat tomatoes. I'm just. Okay? I'm just saying. In the three years we went to law school, at any other time, we, I have ever seen you order a sandwich or anything that consists of two buns or two pieces of bread. Uh. You always finish it with no tomato. Do you know what's wild? How much I like tomato juice. <laughs> You've seen me drink that shit, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's all about where you actually get it. Yeah. Okay. If you want if you want to throw me, I mean, because that's what it is. I like the tomato juice. I just don't want my sandwich to be wet. Anyway, really good book. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the other thing that happened, and I think you guys listen, listen to me in the podcast knew I was gonna talk about this. Warriors won the NBA championship. Um this is and I talked about this when we won the first time. Me and Mar- I think me and Stefan went on for like an hour about how what it meant to us the first time the Warriors won. And I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this like, oh, the war- bandwagon, blah, 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 blah. Yo, been going to Warrior games my whole life. The team was bad. The team was real bad. And then all of a sudden, we were good one year. We went from bad, and then there was two seasons where we won a few games, and then the next year, we won the championship. And then all of a sudden, like the best player in the world wanted to play for us or one of the best players in the world just wanted to play for us. We won two more and then we lost and then everybody got hurt. And then we came back and won. Um, I, this was the, this is my second favorite championship. It's, it's never going to change the first one. This one was fun because you could tell how badly the players wanted it. You're hearing it because of how much shit every single one of them is talking now that it's over. Like Steph Curry's talking shit. Clay Thompson's talking shit. Draymond Green just was just cursing on TV today. You know, fuck everybody else was what he led this off with. Um, Clay Thompson be... called someone a bum. 
Yeah, that's a good insult. The more you hear bum insult, it's a good insult, right, Mike? Because it, it really is. covers it a really lot of ground. Is. Like, you're saying a lot of things about a person when you call them a bum. Um, that was, it's just the parade was today. I didn't go because I'm five foot five. And it just doesn't sound like a good time to stare at someone's sweaty neck. Did, for an did, entire did, what, was Clay super drunk and like tackled someone by accident? I think he just tripped. But like Trey was, yeah, the, but but did he trip? Because I don't know because Draymond was hammered. Draymond stopped at Ghirardelli to buy ice cream for his kids in the middle of the parade. He just got off the bus, went to Ghirardelli, bought so, bought some ice cream for his kid, got back on a bus. Um, Blake Anderson from Workaholics was at the parade. Um, he's Blake from Workaholics. He was hosting the a certain area. He was a certain part of the parade was hosted by Blake and Mr. Fab. Uh, Mr. Fab wasn't, was just what, wasn't wasn't Festus Azili also with them. Festus Azili was there. Darrell Wright was there. Um, it was just fun, man. It's nice when the I mean Mike knows this because he lives in a city where there's multiple teams for a lot of the major sports. And hell, now basketball's like that too for you guys. But you know, it's cool when the Giants won, or like like it's cool when your other like when the San Francisco Giants won. But you know, at least half, a quarter, of the two, a third of the Bay to half the Bay is rooting for the A's. If you're in the Bay Area, you're probably a Warriors fan, especially now, man, four championships in. So everybody, you know, I was I walk my dog every morning, you know, and this downtown Walnut Creek's pretty empty. Half the people were wearing Warrior stuff. It was cool, man. It's cool to win. It's nice to win. May, um, may, 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 may I ask, what's the part that I, I, uh, I, I share with you in common? Oh, you live in a city with, like, there's two basketball teams. There's two football teams. There's two baseball teams. It's not the same when one of those win. Like when the Yankees won, you didn't give a fuck. You know. Well, that, that's that's yeah. because I'm a Mets fan. Exactly. I'm saying there's a certain certain population in that you know that is not is when the Warriors win, it's all of us. Anybody who cares enough. For you know? uh, for a split <laughs> second, I thought you were having to go at me that my teams don't win. No, man, you're getting Kyrie. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, I You're think gonna... that's part of it. Is that like I think and Bobby, I can I can co-sign on your um your real fanness because yeah, I, I don't watch basketball. I know Bobby and Stefan were always Warriors fans, and most of the conversation was like, oh man, they really need to lose the next two games so they get yep. the first round yeah. draft pick. And that was usually <laughs> the only high point. Was like, oh maybe if we do bad enough, we'll get a good draft pick. And then it was usually like, man, they picked. The shittiest guy in the draft, yeah. and now we're fucked for another season. So, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. My bad. Well, I was just gonna say. I think relating to you, Mike. I think, and not to you know, badmouth the teams you like because they haven't done well. But it's one of those things. Like, if the Jets were to win the Super Bowl or something, it would mean all that more because you've been a fan when they were really bad or they, yeah. you know, they weren't being successful. And it's like, well, you know, I was there when, you know. It, it wasn't easy to like them and you get excited for a game and they lose. And it's like, Oh man, this kind of sucks. You know, you know what fan. I get? I get from these sports, from team sports that I don't get from the UFC. And I think this is a credit to the UFC and MMA. I generally don't care who wins. Obviously there's the odd example where like Mark knows I jumped in the air cheering when Usman broke Colby Covington's face. Right. But generally, I generally don't, I care far more. And we all do. We want this to be good to watch this. We're <laughs> watching this sport for, I want good fights. I want a good matchup, you know? I want to see cool shit. When I'm watching baseball and the Giants play, I don't care if they win 100 to nothing. I prefer if they win 100 to nothing. When the Warriors are playing these games, I'm like, can we just win early? Can we build a fucking lead and hold on to this thing? Uh, you, get a, you, get more, you get more happiness out of the result, though, because, you know, it's a lot of times it's representing your city, you know, or your area. And uh, fuck, man, we're real good at basketball. 
And, uh, fuck everyone else. Go Warriors, apparently. And Mike needs to be happier about the prospect of getting Kyrie because he's better than Julius Randle. I'm just saying. You, you gotta, you, yeah, but at the very least, while Julius Randle plays like shit, you know, he's at least going to be there. He's not going to take, like, 10, 10 games off during the season because, you know, he needs a Julius day, all right? <laughs> he's not going to come out there with some fucking sage and clear the chakras of the, of the arena? This dude did he's that, not, Mark. Okay, this is what we're talking decide. about, did that. <laughs> He's not going to decide at like noon on a particular day. You know what? I want to go to the Short Hills Mall and get myself. You know what? Let me do a nice play on words. A nice orange Julius. Guys, I'm going to miss the game today. All right? You don't have to expect shit like that from Julius Randle. Kyrie, you don't fucking know. Okay? So you you can keep Kyrie away, away from my team. Yeah, and I had something else I was going to say, and I don't even remember. I watched something I was going to talk about. Well, I don't remember what it was. One, one quick thing to give another story to co-sign Bobby's Warriors fandom before they were good. I still remember the year. I think it was the first year Joe Lacob was the owner, mm. and they traded fan favorite Monte Ellis mm. uh, for former number one pick Andrew Bogut. Who was hurt. Who, who was injured? Who was, who was we traded our hurt. only good. It wasn't a fan. Our only good player that was healthy because Steph was hurt. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and I remember just like a one to maybe two hour just rant from Bobby on how this is why the Warriors never win. Like, what the hell are we doing? Monte's our only good player. You see, this is the problem with ownership, even new ownership. None of this is ever going to change. Yeah, and real it negative. Turns out Andrew Bogut was a major cog for your first championship, and Joe Lacob has been nothing but an exemplary owner. And I know, you know, it didn't help beyond the luxury tax. It doesn't. It doesn't help that my dad like knows Joe Lacob. Like he used to work with him a little bit, and my dad's like, "This guy's a fucking moron." I'm like, "Oh, there it is. He is a fucking moron." But yeah, it's just nice, and you know, maybe you know, I'm I, I'm in it for one parade per team. Maybe the Niners can win something for me at some point. But I can't complain, man. In the last twelve years, we've had seven parades in the Bay Area, and we should have we could add two more if you know Jimmy Garoppolo didn't overthrow motherfuckers and they called pass interference in the end zone on that other touchdown Kaepernick was trying to throw. But that's besides the point. Seven titles, can't complain. But yeah, that's what I got this week. Um, Mike, what do you got? I didn't even realize we had answered stuff we like. I just thought you had just started talking about the Warriors. No, that's um, it. We're, we're, we're huh? not MMA. There, we don't. We, we can't lie about and talk about this card. We don't know anybody. We did our best. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you, Bobby. I'm happy for your one uh, one parade per team quota. I would like to go to one in my life. Uh, you could have gone to so many Yankee parades. You go fuck just yourself. Two- no, I couldn't. You know, at no point during that. I mean, respect, Mike. But like, because like. I'm not Mark. You're not a baseball guy, but there was a whole point in the '90s where the Yankees just didn't mm-hmm. stop, didn't stop winning. And I'm like, man, I might have been tempted to cave at one point nope. in the middle there. The props. Nope. You must have hated all these Yankee fans, though. <laughs> that, I mean, that's I, what I did still, it, right? I still, I still. That's what them. did it, huh? The Yankee fans. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, you know, maybe maybe it is Yankee fans because I have no issues with Giants fans, and I don't hate the Giants at all. But Yankee fans. They are the fucking worst. They are yeah, insufferable no, no pieces, them. entitled pieces of shit. The only thing worse than that is Boston rings. fans collectively. Yeah. The entire city of Boston and their fandom can eat a dick. All, all you hear from Yankee fans are 28 rings. It's like, yo, man, a whole bunch of them rings, you know, like black people aren't even allowed on the goddamn field. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, 
my stuff we like this week is more a symbolism to you know realizing goals right and uh, realizing certain ones of your dreams right you know dreams that may have been years in the making and in my case it's two things um related to uh you know my my new place that i uh, closed on a few months ago and i'm finally uh actually living in and recording in for the first time this week uh one of them is i actually for the first time used a present that bobby got for me a few years ago the potty putter nice <laughs> I, I i laid that bitch down while dropping a deuce and you know i made some putts you know, you know if you don't know if you don't know what a potty putter is that I lay that bitch down while dropping a deuce really could mean any number of things. Mike, why don't you explain what a potty putter is? <laughs> uh, a potty putter is uh, something you lay on, uh, you know, basically it's almost like a, uh, a bath mat for your, for, for your toilet. Mm. And it looks like a putting, putting green. And it also comes with a very miniature putter and a little ball. So, you know, when, uh, when you're dropping kids off at the pool, you can multitask while, you know, getting a couple shots in on a back nine. Does so, does the hole have some kind of ball return? Because it does seem very, like once you putt, you're it's like, not very well, far. <laughs> okay. it, it's really it, not very it, far. <laughs> it, it, it does, Mark. It's called you're already sitting on a shitter. You can just bend down and pick up the puck. Well, so there's, there's two uh, differences. There's there's in arms reach, thing. and then there's doing a squat waddle where like you run out of TP. No, and it's like, no, oh, it's, it's, it's very it's very small, Mark. It's very okay, small. Okay, okay. You can easily you can easily reach it. And the other is something that. Ever since I lived in Japan, I told myself, as soon as I have my own place, I am putting this in. And I sent Bobby a picture of it late, late on Saturday night because I was so proud and so happy. Your boys finally got a bidet. Yo, that's Very where good. it's at. But as someone living the bidet life over here since I want to say a couple months into the pandemic is when I realized this should have been the move the whole time. Um right. Game changer, bro. Game all you, changer. All you little Cretans, Neanderthals, and peasants out here just dry wipe it. Ugh. What is wrong with Let me tell you, Mike, the problem. Y'all need the to problem, get on that squirt life. By the way, this is the second time bidet, at least second time, maybe more, that stuff we like has talked about a bidet. Because I did for sure when I got mine. And Stefan's got a bidet also. He might have said it too, okay? Let me just say. You can't poop other places once you get a bidet without what you won't feel clean. So you got to get yourself for those situations, maybe some travel wipes, you know, just to have them on hand because <laughs> you're not going to feel clean. Um, see, Mike, Mike has stepped up his bathroom game, ladies and gentlemen. The next step is Mike's got to get himself a squatty potty if he doesn't have one already. Um, it's a little stool when you're pooping, you put your legs up. And let me tell you, have you heard of the log ride? That's when it becomes your life. <laughs> Just the log ride, buddy. Just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I just ruined this podcast for many people. Um, Mike, you got anything else we start talking about? <laughs> Give it to Mark. We should have let Mark go before this. <laughs> you done, Mike? No, no I'm, I'm good with the log ride. That that did it for me. Uh, Marcus, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, boy. <laughs> um, I mean, it does seem insignificant now, but uh, yeah, not a ton this week. Um, I think Mike mentioned it last week, and I definitely been putting my time in. Uh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge came out this week, and 
honestly, it was probably one of the games I was anticipating the most in 2022. Um, I think they announced it sometime last year. Um, as a big, as a huge fan of the arcade game and Turtles in Time, I I love beat 'em ups in general, but um, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game definitely holds you know a soft spot in my heart for nostalgia. Um, seeking out that arcade machine anytime you see it in arcade, I, I mean, really, it's it's hard to describe to people the impact that game had because it looked so much like the cartoon at a time where video games just didn't really look that good or represent you know the medium that they were kind of you know based off of so um really looking forward to this game and have really enjoyed it i mean as as a beat-em-up without any kind of like bigger layers to it these games can be a little straightforward and and end up getting repetitive but i think that the saving grace of this is that the combat is really fun it is just fun to smash shit um it's done by Tribute, but it's published by Dot Emu, and Dot Emu was the developers of the Streets of Rage 4 game that came out a couple years ago, and that was also a fantastic kind of revival of another classic beat 'em up in Streets of Rage. And while I think Ninja Turtles doesn't quite have the level of complexity or the kind of combo juggling that that game had, it still has a lot of those elements in it. It has enough nuance in it to to make it fun that you know you're trying to get your combos up so you fill up this meter to do kind of your special moves the ability to have a dodge roll a ability to kind of dodge attacks almost kind of breaks the game in a way because those other 2d brawlers you know once you get surrounded by enemies you, you kind of get beat up and those games were meant to defeat you and eat your quarters so having a home console version that kind of gives you a way to negate some of the problems that you would have in those games um really elevates it to make it extremely fun but also very approachable and i'll also say you know i've played a couple local matches actually my brother-in-law sean was over here on uh sunday so me christine and sean played through it i played through it once with sean online and then i played with randos and playing with random people is also kind of fun just having people drop in and out and i think one thing this game does that is quite different from other beat-em-ups is the player count for co-op is six players which is kind of maddening i think most beat-em-ups will cap at four um, and having six people in, you know, when you're doing these special moves it's where you're doing chaotic, kind of, it is, it is extremely chaotic. It's hard. You have this too? At times. Hmm? You have this game. Like, also, yeah, I got Mark? it. Uh, I got it opening day. Okay. Well, we should all play this together, but okay, go ahead. Mark, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, having six people is, is very, di- cause there's just so much stuff going on the screen. And then when people are popping off their specials and you know, all the effects are going off, it can be a little difficult to see what's going on but it also just plays really well i i've really been enjoying my time and leading into that you know i think it's hard to play this game as much as i have and not have some yearning to rewatch the original you know 80 late 80s cartoon so luckily enough on the plex i have access to <laughs> as some of the episodes i think season one had five episodes. It went from one to three to four to five. And I don't know how many episodes are supposed to be in that season, but a lot of stuff happened in episode two. Cause you get to three and you're like, Oh, there's all kinds of shit that's going on. Um, but also just watching a couple episodes of like, man, a lot of the stuff I saw in the game, I'm seeing in the cartoon very early on. And you know, look, that show's not amazing, but for some reason I do feel like it kind of holds up. I think the, comedic effects of the turtles still kind of hits a little bit like i still find them fun and charming um or at least captivating and i've been enjoying watching the show again so yeah i'm i'm, I'm full in 
90s nostalgia going back to turtles and we'll definitely play and yeah you guys want to play sometime i'm definitely down because but what is fun is there is you know to, to give it some credence and credit there is a story mode um you do get to level up the characters as they level up they get either like an additional uh, uh life or more health or the ability for some of these special moves um and then there is an arcade mode that kind of has all that stuff already unlocked and you're just running through the game i, I do kind of enjoy the story mode where there's some progression of you like leveling up your characters i do think that's fun so i do plan on going through that with all the characters um and i do hope because streets of rage 4 did have some dlc that um this game will have some dlc as well and maybe add some additional characters i would love more stages they didn't really do that with streets of rage 4 I, i'd be kind of su surprised if they did that with this but I i'm obviously pulling for my uh, my boy Yosaki Yojimbo, I think. I mean, they get him on DLC. I'm there day one, easy. Um, to be honest, that's the rabbit, they, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the samurai rabbit. If they get any any DLC for this game, I'm definitely gonna get, especially with new characters, because it is just the characters, all the turtles and Splinter, April, and Casey Jones have a lot of personality in their move set, um, winning poses, and all that stuff. It's 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 a game that's well crafted with. A lot of love for the originals, so I can't recommend it enough. I've really enjoyed it, and it's, I think it hits extra hard if you're a fan of the original games, because um, you'll see a lot of similarities from the past ones. So, yeah, that's what I got this week. All right. Um, a couple things real quickly. Today is the 18th anniversary of arguably the greatest slam in MMA history, where Quentin Rampage Jackson mm -hmm. fucking powerbombed Ricardo Arona. Back at a was it Pride critical something countdown. critical countdown two thousand and four sure um, Luke Thomas said it well eighteen years ago today arguably still the best slam or slam KO in MMA history if you missed Rampage Jackson in his prime he was a terrifying force of nature the strongest two hundred and five pounder I've ever seen maybe Quentin was sure. awesome Quentin was fun man. All these guys, man, MMA is cruel. At the way out the door, you know, we all call you fat and shit like that, or you get knocked well, out. Well, I mean, much. come on, some of us, some of us get. A but I mean, you get knocked out. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to go out well. You know, nobody sure. no, goes no, out sure. clean unless you're GSP. All right, GSP leaves clean, and that's it. Pretty much everybody else. You know, GSP and Khabib, and Khabib is apparently 190 pounds now. Khabib looks huge. But um, yeah, man, Quinn was awesome. It's nice to hear people showing him respect there, and. uh... Just want to say this Texas Republican Party says they want people to vote for secession. Leave. Nothing will be lost. Mm, Frank Adios. and barbecue. Um, I'm working on my me and my brother are working on the brisket recipe, Mike. We'll 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 we'll, we'll get you some. You're not going to Franklin's anyway. <laughs> we'll lose the Cowboys. Again, nothing will be lost. Look, the city of Austin is we'll we'll, we'll miss you guys. The city yeah, of Austin, Austin's we will miss great. you. We will miss you. But you know what? If they take Austin, maybe they can take Louisiana, Alabama, Arkansas. Look, just take the South. Sorry if you live there, guys. I'm really sorry. But <laughs> this isn't a threat that works for anybody. It hurts nobody if they want to leave. Um, see what happened if California leaves. All you motherfuckers lose weed and vegetables and fruit. It's terrible. Um, all right, guys. We'll be back next week. where We're actually going to be talking about this UFC 276 card um headlined by izzy adesanya and jared cannonier co-main event alex volkanovsky max holloway big night for city but kickboxing guys big night i did have alex and i think alex and izzy have fought on the same card before too if i'm not mistaken 
I feel there's been a couple cards where I thought, man, the city kickboxing guys have a lot going on here. Um, got a couple other interesting things. Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz, Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate, um, Sean Strickland, Alex Pereira, Robbie Lawler, Brian mm -hmm. Barbarina, Macy Barber, Jessica I, Bobby Green, Jim Miller, Uriah Hall on Andre and Andre Muniz. Got Brad Tavares on this card. Got Ian Gary on this card. This thing's fucking pretty fucking good, guys. Okay, well, it kind of explains what's happening this week then. Yeah, that was a Brad Rad Brad Riddell ain't nobody to fucking sneeze at. Brad Riddell, um, another another city kickboxing guy, um, who uh, unfortunately got wheel kicked by Brad, uh, Rafael Fizeva's last fight. Another really good fighter though. This card's fucking stacked, and it's taking place in. Uh, oh, I thought it was happening in Texas. Happening at T-Mobile. It is International Fight Week. So the UFC still going to load up those July cards, guys. Still going to load up those July gonna cards. Going to have a lot of picks that week for sure. Yeah. And uh, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, and uh, Stefan's got a new podcast. And once I figure out the name and he tells me it, I'll tell you guys to listen to it. But he you know what? You released can... just yet, but we'll let you know for he sure. He hasn't put it out yet. I thought he put out the first episode. I talked to him earlier. I mean, unless, unless you talked to him after I asked him. No, I thought it was already going on. working on the second. Okay. But. You know what, guys? Find Stefanzi on Twitter. S-T-E-F-O-N-Z-E-Y. Just ask him, where do I listen to the podcast? If you're a K-pop head, that is the show for you, you know? But, yeah, thank you all for listening. I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms, homeowner. See y'all next week. Peace out. See ya.